0: Hi, this is Pastor Joshua Morocco, and you are listening to our King's Central Podcast. I hope you get encouraged. I hope the Word of God brings transformation to your life and empowers you. Thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy the Word. Awesome. I'm excited to start this brand new series, Ascend. How many of you guys want to go to new heights with God? Come on, how many of you guys want to just go to a greater place with the Lord? Do you want to sense his tangible presence? Well, we're going to jump into this word. I I want us to look as as we dive in deep to Psalms 24 and begin to extrapolate that which God wants to speak to us this morning. The title of my message is The Pursuit. The Pursuit. If you're taking notes this morning, the title of my message is The Pursuit. And I want to deal this morning with three unique contexts in which we see in this passage that God desires to reveal His presence to us. God is calling us to a place called His presence. And that there has to be a longing, there has to be a desire and a passion in our hearts for more of God. So this morning, number one, as we, as we look at this passage, we see something very unique. And I want to point this out to you. Number one, the first point we see is that God is calling. There's a call. There's an invitation. God is actually drawing us into his presence. God desires to meet with you. Somebody here needs to hear that. God desires to meet with you. God actually desires to reveal himself. And as, as, as much as you need him, he actually desires to reveal himself even more than you need him. He's a personal God. God has no problem revealing himself to you. God has no problem speaking to you. That's what he desires. That's what he longs for. And can I tell you the very nature and character of God, our God is a God in pursuit. Well, pastor, I'm, I'm pretty messed up, man. You know, I love, I love Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Friends, listen, even in the midst of your wretchedness, your bad attitude, your sin, the things that you are locked into, we have a God that pursues us, a God that loves us, a God that values us and he desires even in the midst of your brokenness to reveal himself to you. He didn't look at you and say, oh man, you nasty. There's no way. No, He even in Even in your wretchedness, God says, I want you. He didn't pursue you after you had it all figured out. He didn't pursue you after you were all cleaned up. He pursued you in the midst of your mess because God knows that if they could just encounter me, their whole life would change. God knows that he can clean you. God knows that he can wash you. So he's a God in pursuit. Every person here needs to leave convinced that there's a God that loves you and a God that is in pursuit of you today. Jesus reveals the heart of God. So wonderful in the parallel of the, the lost coin. Even in the parable of the lost sheep. What is Jesus trying to communicate to us as he shares this parable? He's trying to reveal to us the heart of the Father. The heart of God that says, man, I'm a God that searches out that which is lost. I pursue you. I go after you with everything that I am. God is so crazy passionate about you. You know how wonderful that is because some of us need to hear that this morning so that it can heal some of those parts of our life, of those moments that we felt rejected. Those times where we felt forsaken by others and many times in our forsakenness, in our rejection, we begin to project that on God. And so we have this idea of God, we have this picture of God, that God is a God that is far off, a distant God, a God just waiting to reject us, a God just waiting to say no, or I don't love you, or I hate you, whatever it might be. But the problem is our rejection that we feel, now we project it on God and say, God, this is how you treat me. This is who I am to you. And if we don't fix the way we see ourselves, we'll never understand the way God sees us. Friends, we've got to understand that if we're never able to see ourselves correctly, if we're never able to see ourselves through the lens of Christ, we'll never truly understand the depth of his pursuit for us. That he loves you. He's infatuated with you. It's crazy. Can I I say that? It's when you begin to hear, if you understand the true depth of what the parable of Jesus is sharing of the lost sheep that the shepherd would go and pursue this sheep, which is seemingly, in that culture, seemingly insignificant. God says, no, you're significant to me. He's infatuated with you. He loves you. He thinks you're the best. You're the best. Come on, look at that person next to you and say, God thinks you're the best. Can I ask you this question? How do you see yourself? If God sees you worth pursuing, do you see yourself as being worth being pursued? Do you see yourself as worth being pursued? I think that's one of the greatest problems that even I face with God in the midst of my wretchedness. I now have a perspective of myself that I can't imagine this wonderful, holy, awesome, creator of heaven and earth, awesome God pursuing someone like me. And so the worst part is, because I don't have a proper perspective of myself, it now hinders my understanding of who God is, and I can never receive his pursuit toward me. Because I've already deemed myself a particular way. But if I can understand his incredible value for me and his incredible pursuit for me, I... (laughs) <laughs> the very value of how I perceive myself begins to change. I'm someone worth God's pursuit. What's so profound about this is the in, in the invitation and the calling out, he calls us to be separate. And it's so unique to me that one of the things that he does with the children of Israel, yes, God sets them free from the, the captivity of Egypt. And see, God wants to set you free. But the freedom in which he gives you is not the full magnitude of the love and the covenant in which he desires with you. Because he takes the children of Israel who are now in captivity to the Egyptians. He sets them free. He brings them into this place, this this wilderness place. And he brings them to this mountain called the Mount of Sinai. And they're at the base of the mountain, and God draws, calls them up. He, he appears to them in a dark cloud. He, he appears to them in thunder and lightning, and it's, and it's powerful. It's, it's, it's awe inspiring. And in that moment, what's so profound to me is God does something which is an act of love and an act of pursuit toward His people. Do you know what He does? He gives them His commands. See, for God, it wasn't just enough to defeat their enemies. For God, it wasn't enough just to set them free out of captivity. For God, he wanted to give them his commands. Do you know why God made it so important for him to give the children of Israel his commands? It's because through obeying the commands of God, they would walk in the blessings of God. When you look at Leviticus, when you look at the book of Leviticus, when you look at the book of Deuteronomy, it's so powerful because God says, if you obey my commands, then I will do this. Do you know what the commands of God in that moment were? They weren't a revelation of God being a God of restriction and control, a legalistic God. That's not what it was. God was giving them on stone tablets the way that they could please him so that, they, that he could bless them. I'm going to say that again. God gave them on stone tablets a way that they could please God, align their life with God so that he can bless them. So now Jesus comes on the scene. Not the destroyer of the old covenant, but the fulfiller of it. And Jesus comes on the scene. He says, all the laws of the prophet... And everything else is now surmised in this, that if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor, he says everything is here based in love. And now when we love God, we align our life to his will. We align our life to his purpose. In believing in Christ and loving him, we now open our lives to the blessings of God. See, the commands of God was not about legalism. The commands of God were all about love so that they could please God so he could bless them. Now, you know what's crazy about this, though? God could have picked any other nation. This is what doesn't make sense to me. The Israelites were the smallest of all the nations. God, why would you use the weak things to confound the wise? Like, I'm not about using weak things to confound the wise. Like, I want to use strong things to demolish everybody. No, just joking. Like, why in the world would you pick the Israelites? Why would you pick them? Like the weakest nation on planet Earth. Why? In that moment, God called the children of Israel into the desert and brought them to Mount Sinai, and God gave Moses his commands. Do you know what he did? He set them apart from everybody else. Because he says, now I choose you. He could have chose any other nation to the secret, to give them the secret on how to please God and how to align their life with God, but he chose them to establish his commands so he could establish his favor. You should think about that for a moment. Do you know why Jesus manifested his love in your life? Is so that he could establish his love in you so that he could bless you. Why would God choose you out of everybody else? Because he loves you. He's a God that is in constant pursuit because he wants to establish relationship. He wants to establish covenant. He wants to establish blessing with you. See, we have to understand this, that God in the giving of those commands to the children of Israel, that was God desiring covenant and establishing covenant. You know, one of the greatest things that I think all of us deal with, and maybe this is my own issue, but it's the dealing with disbelief. And this is what I mean. And all of us, we all battle with disbelief that how could God, how could God love me? And at times we reject the incredible, awesome love of God because there's no possible way. We can't fathom that there's any possible way that God could love me. Friends, if there's anything that I can accomplish this morning, if there's anything that you can leave this place with, it's to establish this in your heart. That God loves you desperately. He knows your past. Even more so, he knows your motives. <laughs> And yet he still is calling to you. He's still giving an invitation to you to come up. Well, pastor, you don't even, you don't even understand the things that I battle with, my, my hurts, my pains, my, my disappointments. You, you don't understand. But friends, if you can shift your thinking concerning God, if you can shift your thinking concerning how he sees you and how you perceive that he sees you, then you can begin to open up your life to the calling and the invitation to the Lord. Sometimes we think we've got to be just so well-dressed. And I I remember one time I got invited to a party, and I'm like, man, I can't go to that party. I I just got done with football practice, and I was stank. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so because of my current condition, I rejected the invitation. A lot of us have allowed our current condition and position to be that which causes us to reject the invitation. God sees you and he still loves you, and he's still inviting you. Will you respond? And that takes me to number two is understanding the ascent. Number one is the pursuit, the invitation that God is a God in pursuit of you, but number two, there's an ascent. It's our pursuit. This deals with your pursuit toward God. It's it's the the position and the condition of your heart. You see, the position and the condition of God's heart is a heart of grace, a heart of mercy, a, a heart of love towards you. The way he sees you is so incredible. But friends, what about your heart and your passion for him? When we see in this passage here in Psalm 24, who may ascend the hill of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place, that word ascend in the Hebrew is the word Allah, which means to rise above, to extend beyond boundaries, to be taken away, to take oneself away. What is it? It's an intentional decision to say, Lord, I want to I wanna go to you. I'm going to go beyond the situations of my life. I'm going to go beyond the boundaries of my own limitation. We all have limitations. I have attention deficit, attention deficit, disorder, disorder, disorder. Like I'll be in prayer time and i just be like, oh, Lord Jesus, squirrel. You guys know what I'm talking about? Anybody with me? And then I make the worst mistake. I invite my phone into the room with me. I might as well invite the whole world into the room with me, right? And I'm trying, Lord, it's me and you. We're gonna have private time. Bing, 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 I mean, I could just, it's crazy. What am I doing? I, I've, got, I've got issues, and it always tends to happen when I wanna spend time with the Lord. But I've gotta be intentional say, Lord, I wanna get into your presence. i want—I—I I gotta rise above my own issues. i gotta rise above even at times, my own dysfunctions and the things that hinder me, and I say, i gotta, I got to rise above this to say, I'm going to intentionally get away from everything that surrounds me and say, Lord, I'm coming to you. I love how James chapter 4, 8 says, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. There's a drawing into his presence. There's this invitation. But friends, how do we respond to the invitation of the Lord? Will you draw close to him? This drawing close, when you begin to really understand in Psalm 24 what's happening and this call of the Lord to to, to come up to this place, to spend time with him, to ascend into that place, you realize that what it is, it's a drawing near. It's a place of intimacy and connection with God. And can I encourage you, we have to make sure that we don't make the mistake to think proximity is the same as connection. I learned early on in my marriage that proximity and connection have nothing in common. Just being honest with you. (laughs) My wife and I, I I remember we were were sitting on a, we were were recently married and we're sitting on this love seat. You know, it's just two of us and we're sitting there and we're watching TV and we're watching the game, you know. And so my wife and I, we're in proximity, we're close and we're making connection. And I'm like, this is awesome. I'm in the presence of my wife. And she's looking at me the whole time. Like, what are you looking at? supposed to be looking at the game. Don't look at me like that. See, because her understanding of connection was different than my understanding of connection. Isn't it interesting how two dudes, two dudes, could sit in the car and not utter one syllable to one another, and they become closer? My, my wife, she wanted connection, not just Proximity. And a lot of us have been satisfied with proximity with God. We'll come into church, we'll sense his presence, or we'll, we'll experience the presence of God, and it's proximity, we're close, but there's no connection. Why? Because we're so preoccupied with other things. We're, so, we're tantalized by this world, this, and we, we, we're so enamored by things surrounding us that God doesn't have our attention. I'll, I'll never forget, I'm watching the game, and my wife, she grabs my she grabs my chin and I'm like fighting it. She, gosh, she's like, look at me. Right? Look at me. I want to see you. I want to connect. It's a rude awakening. The difference between proximity and connection. Are you connecting with the Lord? And let me just just kind of deal with a, a truth here. Did you know God actually desires for you to bring all your issues to him? He actually delights in that. He actually instructs us. He says, bring all your prayers and your petitions to me. Cast all your cares on me because I care for you. But unfortunately, in the church, you know, we've actually said, well, if you're going to connect with God, you're not allowed to share anything. You just sit there. It's it's both ways. It's a connection, it's a relationship. God, I want to hear you. God, I want to experience you. God, I want to know you. Friends, we got to make a connection with Him. Are you willing to put aside all the distractions? Are you you willing to even shift to some. Of your life and say, Lord, I wanna wanna connect with you. I believe the, the only way we can possibly do this is our value system has to change. The value pursuit begins how you value God. Your pursuit will be determined on your value for God. We have to put a value on God, we have to put a value on God's word. A value in his, his voice. I, Lord, I want to hear your voice. Is his voice that important to you? Value holiness. We have to honor him. We've got to get back to valuing God with everything that we have. Lord, you are so valuable to me. i got to have your word today. God, I gotta know you. God, I gotta hear your voice. Isn't it interesting how connected we are when we're in a desperate situation? But when God answers all of our prayers, we're like, we're just so good. That's that's cool. We got other things to do today. You know, it's a lot of times it can be mistaken that Pentecostals, Christians, are emotional. Just don't be so emotional. I'm not emotional. I'm desperate. Don't mistake my emotionalism. <laughs> don't, don't mistake my desperation for emotionalism. And I know a lot of times people are like, "What? Well, they're at the altar. They're so emotional. No, they're desperate for God. I need him. God, I got to have you. Don't mistake me showing up every single morning to early morning prayer as ritualistic. I'm desperate. This goes beyond religion. This goes beyond ritual. This goes beyond just something that I, I, I you know, I've got to fulfill some religious obligation. This goes to a place of desperation that I've got to hear the voice of the Lord. I've got to connect with him today. I'm desperate for his presence. Jesus. I've got to get back to valuing his presence again. I've got to get back to valuing his word again. His word is a lamp upon my feet and a light upon my path. Is it really, though? Is it more just a suggestion? Or is it life? And I think one of the complications of this whole thing, and, and if I could be very transparent with you, I think we all battle with this. Can I, can I be transparent with you, church? Can I just take a moment and just tell you some of my struggles? Let me tell you what I mean. I God's presence will either be a threat or a comfort. And that's one of the struggles I think we all face, this tension that has to be managed, is God's presence in our life will either be a threat or a comfort depending on the condition of our relationship. Depending on the condition of your relationship, you'll either see God as a threat or you'll see God as a comfort. The children of Israel, at their at, while they're at the base of Mount Sinai, there's this moment that the thunder's cracking and lightning, and all these things are happening, and they, they're moved with fear. And instead of having an honor toward God, they had a fear, an unhealthy fear of God. Why? Because they saw him as just a just God. Even though he is just, he's also merciful. And so now their fear because of the sin that was in their life. Friends, can I just tell you something right now? God's love is unconditional. And even in the midst of your sin, God's love for you will never cease or stop. But can I tell you something? Your sin will cause you to either hide from God or hide in him. You see, let's look at the life of Adam and Eve. What happened with Adam and Eve? They're in one moment. Like, look at, the, look at the extremes here. In one moment, they're like, oh God, we love you. We're walking with you in the cool of the day. This is amazing. This is so awesome. They had this perspective of God and they enjoyed his presence. It was a comfort. It was a joy. It's amazing. And then all of a sudden, the devil showed up and they believed a lie. And in their sin, what did they do? The next... Moment encounter they had with God was not an encounter of joy and bliss. It was an encounter of terror and fear. Friends, can I encourage you, please, just hear me. One of the reasons why it is imperative for us to deal with the sin in our life is because sin hinders relationships. Does that mean God stops loving you? No, not at all. Does it mean that his grace is not sufficient? No, no, no. His grace is always sufficient. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every single morning. The issue is not how it impacts the love of God, but how it impacts you. And if we're not quick to deal with sin in our life, it has the potential to cause you to run from his presence instead of run to it. don't believe the lie of the enemy. Don't allow him to change your perspective of God. Open your hearts, open your eyes to him and say, you know what, I want to deal. Maybe there are some things that you've got to deal with in your life that are causing conflict in your relationship with the Lord. Will you allow him this week to expose some of those things so we can get to the root of the issue? Because God's desire is not condemnation. God never reveals to condemn. He always reveals to heal. Why? So he can reconcile us to himself. That's the whole point of this. That's the whole point of repentance. That's the whole point of his grace is so that we can be reconciled unto him. That there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Friends, we got to come to that place where we're able to, to push past. Don't just hide it. Friends, listen, don't. Don't just hide sin and say, well, if I hide it on the rug and it doesn't exist. First of all, God sees and knows all. He perceives all things, knows all things. But secondly, you know it too. Anybody here ever eat cuttlefish? You're not allowed to live in Hawaii if you don't. It stinks. Super hauna. You know what I mean? You're like, you know. You know when somebody ate it and you know when you ate it because you can smell it. I (laughs) I remember this one time. I went, me and my friends who was at the store, and I, I bought some cuttlefish, and I, and I, I, I was going to, I ate it. Like, I, I stuck it in my mouth. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Anybody else here do that? You don't eat just one strand. You sit the whole thing like, right? You're just, I'm, I'm pounding this thing. And then all of a sudden, I didn't know it. I didn't know it. But my friend went and stopped and picked up a girl, and I liked the girl that he picked up. I was like, oh, bro, how come you never told me, because... And the whole time, can I tell you right now, the whole time I pretty much interacted with all of them with my my shirt over my mouth because I knew I had stink breath because I knew they knew I had stink breath. The whole thing, it was horrible. Don't allow the enemy to make you believe that you can just hide things under the rug and pretend like it doesn't exist, pretend that there's no sin in your life. Sin will always complicate and hinder our relationship with God. So allow his grace, allow his spirit to dig in deep and reveal those things that hinder relationship so we can know what it is to walk in the fullness of what God has for us. So the first thing as we review, number one, there's a call. There's an invitation. Number two, there's an ascent. There's a pursuit on our behalf. Will you pursue him this week? Will you desire relationship? Will you be intentional to rise above all the other things? But lastly, let me close with this. Pastor Grace, if you'll come to the piano. In Psalms, verse 63, chapter 63, verse 8. It's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Psalms 63, 8. And the psalmist says, my soul follows hard after thee. My soul follows hard. I love how some versions, that's from the King James Version. I like how some versions say, my soul chases hard after thee. It's like there's this passion, this crazy passion for the presence of God. In Jeremiah 29, you know, a lot of us, we know Jeremiah 29, 11, right? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Let's give you a hope and a future. We all have it memorized. But you know, in Jeremiah 29, 12, believe it or not, there is a Jeremiah 29, 12. Jeremiah 29, 12, it says this. I want you to read this with me. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. This is amazing. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And then he says this, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. That That word seek, it's a profound word. In the Hebrew, it's the word bakash, which means to seek with great desire to find with relentless determination. My, my kids have a, have a propensity to, when I ask them to look for something, they, they go and they look, and they come back about a minute later and go, I, I didn't find it. You know, a lot of people look for things <clears throat> not to find it, And I can tell because my kids will go back and forth and they'll they'll look for something and go, I didn't find it. They actually look for things not to find it. I can't find it. I can't find it. I can't find it. I can't find it. They look for things with the intention to not find it. But someone that looks for something with the intention not to find it is way different than someone that looks for something to find it. The other day I asked one of my kids to look for something. I said, hey, can you guys find this for me? Oh yeah, daddy, I'll be right back. They went for a minute. They came back, I can't find it. I was like, first, first of all, you can't even go upstairs in the amount of time that you said you went. I told you where I was at. They come back down. Can, please go look again. Just please go look again. Dad, I can't find it. Please go look again. I can't find it. If I get up there and I find it, you're going to get it. Use your imagination what you're going to get it means. Sure enough, I go up there and there it is, plain as day. You know what I realized in my life? with God I'm just like my kids there's times I have this pursuit but it's not really a pursuit to find him it's a pursuit to say that I can't find him and I'm constantly well I didn't find him I didn't I didn't experience God I didn't I didn't feel his presence I didn't sense this what are you talking about it's not like God's trying to hide from you or or reject you or run away from you he is an ever-present help in time of need He is a present God. He's omnipresent. He's right here. The issue is not that God doesn't want to be found. Sometimes what happens is we expect God to be right there at a moment and we've lacked the pursuit. We lack the passion to get beyond the pain and the press. See, because there are moments when you first get saved, God reveals himself in a specific way, and that's wonderful. But he he takes you from glory to glory. And now he he used to he used to speak to you in five minutes. But now God's trying to draw you deeper and you feel like you're hitting the ceiling because you're like, God, you used to speak to me so quickly. I want you to go deeper because the deeper I take you or the higher I take you, the greater the revelation. And So there's times where God will remain silent so that you learn how to press because God's concerned about your maturity and God's concerned about developing a press and a tenacity inside of you so he can take you to a deeper level in him to really know his voice, to really hear him, to know what it is to tune everything out and say, God, it's, it's me and you so that I can get a greater revelation and a greater understanding of your person. But we get upset at God, don't we? Five minutes, God, I've been praying for five minutes. I wanna take you to 10. 10 minutes, ain't nobody got time for that. 15 minutes, God, 15 minutes? Anybody here ever throw a, a grown up tantrum before? Yeah, I did this morning. God, really? Church at 7 a.m.? What are you doing, God? No, I'm just joking. I need to. Yes, I did. Persistence is key. Let me close with this we've got to get our passion back. We gotta make sure that we are not more passionate for other things. In Luke chapter 14, verse 15, we see the parable of the feast. This parable of the feast, where this incredible father prepares this feast and invites everybody. Everybody even had a they they even had a notice from Siri. And yet, still with the notice and the invitation. They rejected the invite to the party. And and the, the Father sends out people to say, hey, I want you to get heralders and go out and call everybody in. The party's ready. The feast is ready. But they were preoccupied with other things that they couldn't respond to the invitation. Why? They had no passion. They had more passion for what they were doing instead of what God was doing. You know, the saddest thing in this whole story the children of Israel didn't realize that God wasn't just calling Moses to new heights. God wasn't just calling Pastor Josh to another level. God's calling you. You know, the whole story of the children of Israel getting set free from the captivity of Egypt and coming into the desert, finding themselves there at Mount Sinai and having this incredible call, this invitation to his presence. I want you to hear this because to me... This is one of the most unfortunate statements ever made in the Bible in Exodus chapter 20. Listen to what the children of Israel tell Moses. Exodus 20 verse 18. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. What was the problem? Their perspective of God. They trembled with fear. They stayed at the distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself. What's the problem here? their perspective of themselves. So they had an incorrect perspective of God and they had an incorrect perspective of themselves and they said, Moses, speak to God on our behalf. Speak to him yourself and we will listen, but don't have God speak to us or we will die. How unfortunate this moment, This, this moment where God Creates a moment for the people to encounter him, but they have, because they had the wrong perspective of God and the wrong perspective of themselves, it became a hindrance and said, No, 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 Moses, God's presence is for you, it's not for me. Pastor, God's presence is for you, but it's not for me. That prayer life is for you because you're the pastor, but that ain't for me. God's invitation is for you. Friends, we got to get a proper perspective of a God that is in pursuit. We've got to get back to that place to say, I'm going to pursue God. But we got to get our passion back. The psalmists say, as the deer panteth for water, so my soul longs for you. Oh. What time am I supposed to go to on Sunday mornings? I don't know. What time does service end? One o'clock. Okay, let me. I'm joking. Can I? I wasn't going to share this, but I feel like I have to share this. This This is for somebody this morning. This is for somebody this morning. This passage, Psalm 42, as the deer pants for waters, so my soul pants for you, my God. My God, my soul thirsts for you, for the living God who can go. Who can, when when can I go? God, when can I meet with you? Do you know who that was written by? It wasn't written by David. It was actually written by the sons of Korah. And when you begin to understand from generation to generation, the sons of Korah, Korah was the very one that started a rebellion against Moses. And it is this passage is attributed to the generations of the sons of Korah, the people that took a point of rebellion against God and rebellion against Moses and said, we're going to become worshipers, we're going to become psalmists, we're going to lift up the Lord, and we're going to have a passion. What the generation of the past could not do, I'm going to be a part of a generation that seeks God. Friends, can I tell you, I know the past is hard. I know that there are things that continue to haunt you in your relationship with the Lord, but if you can be like the sons of Korah and get a revelation of the, the plan that God has for you, the invitation that he has for you, and you can say, just as a deer needs water in this dry and thirsty land, God, I am passionate for your presence. Let's get our passion for his presence back. Let's get a passion, not just a pursuit, but a passionate pursuit, a relentless pursuit. Can you imagine what would happen if a people would passionately pursue God again? If a people would be convinced that there's a God that is madly in love with them and desires covenant and relationship with them you might wake up different tomorrow morning instead of waking up feeling rejected and dejected you you'll wake up tomorrow morning saying god i want to meet with you because you want to meet with me let's get our passion back i don't know what's hindering your passion i don't know what's robbing you of your passion but if you're willing can we deal with that this morning If you're willing, can we confront some of those things and say, Lord, I want to get my passion for your presence back. Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's a secret sin. Maybe for some of you, you have felt rejected, and in that rejection, you've projected it on God. I don't know what it is, but I believe this morning God is calling us to say, I want you to ascend. I want you to rise above. I want you to come up to that place so that I can meet with you and you can meet with me because I want to reveal the depths of my goodness to you. Can I tell you at the end of this month, this is what I'm believing for, that at the end of this series, we're going to have a greater encounter with God than we've ever had before. We're going to have an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. As some of you take the challenge to fast and pray, if some of you take the challenge to put away your phones, maybe some of you in this season, you need to shut off your Instagram and your Facebook. My daughter got mad at me the other day. She says, Dad, I need a job. I said, well, babe, you're 14. She says, no, will you pay me to do your Instagram because you're horrible? I said, babe, I don't even have Instagram or Facebook on my phone. She goes, dad, let me run your Instagram. People need you on Instagram and Facebook, daddy. I've just, I've just decided. I, I, don't, I can't afford to be distracted because I need to hear from God. I can't afford to be preoccupied with things that God hasn't called me to. I I need to go deeper. I need to go higher. Why? Because God wants to reveal to me his plans and his purposes and his goodness. And so, friends, I want to position my heart. I want to position my life to say I shall ascend. I shall arise to the heights and a greater encounter with the Lord. That's what God has for you. So if you want that in your life right now, some of you need to get rid of some things. Some of you need to get rid of some of those hindrances that are blocking you from getting into the presence of God. Right now, we're going to deal with it. If that's you, I want you to put your hand on your heart. Come on. All over this house. And we're going to pray that you truly desire a greater, more intimate relationship with the Lord. I hope the Word encouraged you. Thank you so much for joining us here on the King Central Podcast God bless you, walk in power, and walk in the fullness of that which God has given you.